Welcome to the Why Music Podcast, where we talk to independent artists about their journeys, the inspirations behind their music, and ultimately why they make music. This next artist is a New York City-based singer-songwriter who teamed up with a Grammy-winning producer to release his first album. Taking inspiration from some of the songwriting greats, his music is timeless while still holding its ground in the modern music landscape. Welcome, Ilan. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for being here. I always like to start with where your music journey kind of all started. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I was always as a kid, just I had the bug. Um, I picked up all kinds of instruments, started with the flute and saxophone, uh, then kind of wanted to sing, which is which is tricky to do with the flute or saxophone. So I picked up a guitar then moved to piano. Um, so, you know, this has been going on my whole life. Um, but it wasn't until maybe five or so years ago that I really decided to go for it and make music uh, my career, um, do it professionally. And um, I went to Berkeley for my master's. And um, I just started writing and producing mostly for other people. That's kind of how I cut my teeth. And then um, the artist project came along fairly recently, about a year ago. So that's when I started releasing music. Um, and uh, yeah, that about sums it up. Um, when did you kind of decide to start like writing and producing and doing all that even for other people? It's interesting because it's usually it starts by doing it for yourself and then you're like okay I can do this like for other people or you just stick with that route so what kind of made you take it in that direction to start and then ultimately decide to do an artist project um I think I mean yeah you're right it usually kind of goes the other way um I think I was really you know like just behind the scenes uh, I felt more comfortable behind the scenes and so I had a I have a studio which you're in virtually, and so people would come by, and I just felt more comfortable writing and producing for them than being the artist myself. But then it kind of got to the point where I was writing a lot of songs that I didn't necessarily think fit for a lot of artists. A lot of artists that I produce and write for lean more towards the pop direction, and these are definitely more singer songwriter indie. Uh, um, and, you know, when you write in that way, it's the whole point of singer songwriters that you sing your own songs, you know, and so I, at that point, I was like, well, let's let's see how that goes. And then I started recording those and, you know, they started sounding pretty good and, and I got a good response from people. And so I, I just kind of went for it, you know, and it was definitely an adjustment because because again, I, I like to be behind the scenes. I'm not a super public person. Um, but um, once I put him out, I, the response was pretty good. And, and then I kept going. Uh, it, it, yeah, that's interesting that it just kind of happened almost unintentionally because you were writing stuff that just didn't fit the bill of everything else. Um, but I'm sure a happy accident considering it's turned into your whole own thing and you already have however much experience under your belt doing this for other people you kind of are starting with a little bit of a foundation instead of starting just completely blank slate yeah totally I mean I think one of the obstacles for or initial obstacles for being an artist was that I couldn't produce you know and so I couldn't even if I wrote songs on a guitar or piano I didn't know how to turn them into records. And so once I got that skill through collaborating a lot, you know, in Berkeley um, and then sort of in the city with artists in the city, um, my own artist project and sound kind of made, made more sense to me. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's why the order of operations kind of started with writing and producing for other people. Um, and once I had that skill developed, my own sound kind of just started coming out of that. Yeah, that's really, 
That's really cool, especially because it's like a little bit of a branch off from the other thing is it's like not as it's not a debate on whether this is going to be for me or this is going to be for somebody else. It kind of comes from this place of like it, it has to just fit in one of those areas. It's not a coin toss or anything like that. And to I'm sure to watch your own sound kind of develop has been a really cool experience. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think all artists kind of have to write and sort of develop, you know, over years, you know, you write hundreds of songs that you'll never put out. But at least for me, there was definitely a turning point. There was sort of one song, which is the first one I put out, it's called Through It All. And that one just really felt different. You know, there was something about it where I was like, this feels releasable, this feels professional. And for for years, I didn't I didn't feel like most of my songs were. And you know, once that happens, a little scary because then you're like, oh, can I do that again? Um, but but after the first one, it gets a little easier actually. And so then you know, once I felt like I'd crossed that you know that level or you know the the Rubicon, I was like, okay, then let's let's keep this going. Let's let's start putting out songs and stop sort of making excuses, you know and uh, you know, one of the hardest parts about it has been kind of being a little bit more public, doing things like this. But thank you again for having me. <laughs> um, because, because again, I'd rather kind of support other artists, or at least before, I really, it's it's all I did. Because um, once you are the artist, there's so much more than just, just the songs. Um, you, you know, starting from performing and then having to have sort of a presence online and doing you know, interviews. And so there's a lot of kind of being the face and the voice of your own, you know, the captain of your own ship that I wasn't used to at all. Um, but I feel like I'm kind of getting the hang of it. Yeah. I mean, at some point it just becomes the thing. It's just, you know, you kind of dip your toes in and then you jump off the high dive at some point, you know, you work your way up. Um, but, uh, for your artist project specifically, what do you find most often inspires your songwriting? I, it's definitely the lyrics for me. I, you know, talk about order of operations. I think most people start with the music when they write a song and that's kind of really inspiring. There's a spark there and then they'll kind of put words to that melody. For me, like if I don't have lyrics, it, you know, almost in like poem form, I, I really almost can't write. It, it never happens for me the other way around. And I think, you know, some of my influences, you know, Dylan, Springsteen, Leonard Cohen, those guys kind of operate in the same way. And so I listened to all their catalog. And, you know, so I used to just write, I used to write a lot of lyrics, poems, essays, and those kind of just saying to me, you know, if the words were there, everything else was easy. Um, and I've tried the other way around. It just doesn't work for me. That's interesting. Yeah, I definitely, it's, it's either music first or it's like hand in hand kind of walking the same line. Um, so do you end up then like writing like the full thing pretty much word by word and then bringing in the music? Yeah, pretty much. You know, I have, um, I used to write in a notebook, you know, the, the old fashioned way, but then I would have these ideas everywhere I was going. And, you know, so I started doing it on my phone and, um, sometimes, yeah, it was little snippets, you know, maybe a title or a first line. Um, but over the next few weeks or sometimes months, um, I would try to write out the whole thing, but if I had the majority of it, then yeah, maybe I could sit at a piano and start from there but most of the time yeah it's a full full song before I even start at the piano it's almost like like what Elton John used to do you know and he had Bernie Top and his lyricist write the lyrics and then once those were done he could just sit at the piano and do his thing um I guess in this case I'm kind of playing both roles but but yeah I kind of I have to start there most of the time do you when you're writing the lyrics themselves do you write the melodies then as well or does that not come in until there's an instrument involved yeah it doesn't it doesn't sing you know it's like and sometimes that's a little scary because 
yeah, they're just words. It, it almost doesn't have to do anything with music. Um, might as well just be poetry or a poem. Um, and then I sit at the piano and then something makes sense. Uh, most of the time it's the piano. Every so often I gravitate towards guitar. Um, piano is just a little bit more melodic in my in my opinion. You know, guitar, there's just kind of more harmony, more chords. Piano, there's you can trace out the melody. You know, it's kind of easier to play um, kind of just a, a little melody, a little melody line. Um, but um, so, yeah, that's how it happens. Interesting. I kind of want to try that now because I've never done I like I'm I'm a musician before I'm a songwriter. Like I grew up playing piano, um, stuff like that. And so like starting the other way seems scary, but also like really interesting at the same time, because who knows what that might unlock. That could be really cool. I mean, I, I sort of at some point realized that if I started with the music, you know, the piano would be so fun, but also just really distracting, you know, you could noodle around for hours, and it almost gets in the way of the song, you know, so I, I felt like, you know, it was like, step away from your instrument, you know, so, so I, I, I would spend weeks and months away from the piano before deciding, okay, this, this is a real song, this is ready to, to put music to it, but it's a much, I mean, it's, it's a slower way of writing, you know, Leonard Cohen, you know, famously had notebooks and notebooks of verses for Hallelujah. Um, so it doesn't lend itself well to collaborating because collaborating usually happens in a session and happens in a day. This is so much slower than that. So, I mean, sometimes I wish I could just start with the music, but it just doesn't doesn't work for me. I mean, if you fig if you can figure out what works, that's like, great because, I, you know, I could ask everybody that I've had on here and be like, what's your songwriting process? And you were probably one of the few that would actually have an answer for this is kind of how things go. Um, Cause everybody else is like, it's like, it just kind of sometimes happens here or it happens there. Or, you know, I start from this and it turns into that. Um, I definitely don't have a rudimentary process. Like that's, that's as, as slow as it may be, it's a leg up for sure. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, people get inspiration from trying different things, you know, and like, you know, oh, I've never used this synth to start a song and, ooh, that sound is cool. Um, or yeah, that title is cool. For me, like, I, the inspiration comes from sort of that discipline of writing every day and being like, oh, I've never said that in a song, you know? So it all kind of, there's variations within the lyrics. I've never written from that point of view, never used that rhyme scheme. And that's what really gets me going. Yeah, that's, it's really interesting, um, but definitely worth giving a shot. I will have to probably take a stab at that myself. Yeah, um, definitely. I recommend it, but just be aware that it is you know, <laughs> a process. It takes weeks. It's so frustrating. It's sometimes really almost dry because it's real. it's non-musical, you know, it's literary maybe, but it's not musical. It, and so I think, I mean, people like Leonard Cohen, they were writers before they were musicians. You know, he, he had novels, po poems. Um, so I, I've never published as, as just a writer, um, but uh, maybe at some point, that'd be really fun. Yeah. Um, if you had to create a new genre around your style of music, what would it be called? Oh, boy. Um, I've been playing around with the idea of folk a lot. I think folk traditionally has been, you know, on an acoustic guitar, you know, and a guy and a girl or a girl just kind of putting lyrics to that. Um, I've, I've been really interested in, in the idea of, of having that kind of same writing style, but on different instruments. So like, like synth folk, I would call it sometimes, you know, or, or electric folk. Sometimes I'll write an acoustic and just play the same pattern on an electric, and it sounds really, really different. Which is not necessarily the newest thing, because Dylan went electric, right? Um, but it is different. Um, so, so yeah, maybe synth folk, electric folk, something along those lines. But it would be derived from an existing genre. Okay. Yeah, that is it is it is interesting how the instrumentation can completely like transform the song. Um, but 
I like the idea of sort of combining two countering elements in that way. It's like, you're not going to expect synth, like synthesizers and stuff like that to be in folk music, but you're not also going to expect like folk songwriting to be turned into that kind of production. Um, so, and then, and you know, like you, like we said earlier, like experimenting with different ideas is kind of where a lot of cool things can happen. Yeah, totally. I mean, as a, as a producer, I started to realize, you know, you can write a song on acoustic guitar or, or just like a poem, like I kind of typically do. And then you can produce it like a mariachi song or heavy metal. I mean, really, it's kind of like whatever you can do as an artist, wherever your range is, like a song can have, you know, many different identities. And that's why you have all kinds of covers of songs, right? And so if you have a range as an artist, and maybe a range as a producer, you can go any which way. Yeah, that's yeah, it'd be like, it'd be really interesting to see if you gave like the same set of lyrics to like 20 different artists of all different kinds and no chord progression, no melody. They have no idea what it sounds like. Just see what they do with it and see how many different results you would get. That would be, I would really like to see that is just like, just see what people do. Yeah. I mean, that, that would be a super interesting experiment. I feel like even just myself, sometimes I will write the lyrics fully and then I'll try one version on piano and it doesn't quite work. Then I'll switch to guitar and then still doesn't work. Maybe it's the melody or the harmony and I'll just, you know, um, but if the lyrics are strong, it's worth trying a bunch of different kind of musical versions of it. Um, and that's not that hard for me. The lyrics are super hard, but, but the music takes, you know, usually a day or two at, at most. Um, so it's easy for me to be like, Oh, let's just, this version's Okay but sort of you have to kind of really respect the lyrics because they take so long. So, you know, you're not going to really get another set of lyrics for weeks or months. So you got to get this one, right? Yeah, that is interesting. I think also like going back to kind of your writing style, I think at least looking at it from my perspective, um, it probably allows you to really sort of, perfect what you're saying and really get clean and cut about whatever it is you're writing because you don't have the melody guiding it. You don't have the chord progression sort of carving out how it's supposed to look or anything like that. It's like you just have to write the words. You just have to tell the story at hand and that's all you're worried about. Then you can make it into actually what would be a song. Cause I think sometimes like approaching it with the music in mind can kind of influence what you're ultimately trying to say and how you say it. But if you focus on just what you're saying first and worry about the music later, you could probably turn out some, some really cool and impactful stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think the truth is, or at least in my opinion, you can't really have it all, you know, something has to be first priority, you know, and then second and third priorities. I mean, it's a little easier when you have, a big team and so you have a producer or maybe multiple producers somebody mixing the song somebody mastering if you're doing most of it you do have to have you know you're you only have a certain amount of bandwidth and so you have to kind of pick what's going to be the, the most important thing and because of my older sort of more classic folk and rock influences that's where I decided to go with it. But even there's there's a few kind of there's a handful of writers who still I think operate that way. I mean, I've never met him, but you know, if you're if you're familiar with Josh Ritter, um, you know, he's kind of like a, a folk star and and you know his his lyrics are just tremendous. And I would imagine that's his first priority. Um or Dawes, which is actually a full band, but Taylor Goldsmith is their lead um singer and lead songwriter um and so again his lyrics are so literary i would imagine those have to come first um or at least they're the biggest priority so you kind of have to pick you know and i think pop tends to prioritize production and the music a little bit more especially melody um you know the more indie you lean 
the more you put the you know the songwriting maybe a little bit higher on that list and of course i'm generalizing but in my experience as a producer versus being an artist and working in those two two genres you definitely um have to pick your lane a little bit yeah i think i mean you can't have it all you're right you can't do all the things to their like maximum capacity and even an individual you could you know have a song that's more like the lyrics are stronger than the production and then a different song you could have be the other way around or maybe like the melody is really good on this one but the words aren't quite there you know it could be a combination of a lot of different things and it could just be how that song came to life and how it was written and what that approach was and you know you could be somebody like yourself that like that like is lyrically driven time and time again or it could be all over the place who knows um, the options are endless, but yeah, you're right. There has to be something because you're always going to have some th- aspect of the song. That's like the best part. You know, you're always going to have something that's like of a higher, like quality rating subjective, of course, but um, of a higher quality rating than some of the other parts of it. And, you know, we can strive for perfection in all areas as much as we please, but that's when you get to the perfectionist mindset of sitting on that song for six months and never putting it out when you should really just pull the trigger, let a few of them fall a little bit shorter than maybe you wanted them to, but something's gotta, something's gotta bite it a little bit. It's just how it goes. Yeah. You know, perfection is just a trap because, because obviously it's just not possible, especially because it is subjective. So for some people it might approach perfection for other people, it might be really off, off base. Um, so I think once you accept that, which for perfectionists can be really hard, you just get out of your own way a little bit. And, um, you know, there's a saying, you know, done is better than perfect. I I feel like, you know, done is the only thing that exists. Perfection doesn't. So once you're able to accept that you're a little easier on yourself and, and you start editing after you write, you know, not as you write, which is just, it's, um, it, it doesn't let you be creative. Editing can be a little bit more mechanical. Um, when you're in that flow and that creative state, if you uh, really try to nitpick, um, you don't let that kind of experimentation happen, which is super important. Yeah. Yeah. You 100% have just kind of let it all go, then rework it. Because if you try and rework it as you're going, you might lose the whole point of the story. You might, you know, miss out on what would have been like a really cool line. You know, you just kind of have to word vomit onto the page and then fine tune it. And then that, and then, and then you can get there. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I feel like people like, rick rubin you know and and other kind of guru creatives talk about sort of being being a bit of a channeler you know you channel a little bit of energy and that you know kind of ineffable thing and when you're in that state you got to really take advantage of it because it it probably doesn't last that long and so once you learn to recognize it you know sometimes it even happens you know on the train or in the shower you got to find somewhere to write it down and get as much juice out of it as you can. So sometimes I'll just write really, really long songs because I'm, I'm really feeling that, um, that emotion. And then and I go back and be like, okay, you can't have six verses in a song, but you can pick <laughs> the best and sort of like maybe take a couple lines from this one. And like, you know, and so um, when you're, when you're really feeling it, it's um that, that comes first, you know, it might be like two, in the morning and you're so tired but you don't you don't know when that's going to come again so you really have to take advantage of it 100 percent. um is there a song that you've written that you think best embodies who you are as an artist in terms of like a one song sample make somebody a fan kind of thing um well it's not out yet but it is a title track of my album. It's called American Love. And um, I think it kind of encapsulates a lot of who I am. I actually grew up in Mexico, um, of all all places, and I moved to the States when I was 14. And it was very clear to me 
that the rules of engagement, you know, when it came came to romance were really, really different. Um, you know, in Mexico, you kind of grow up in, a, you know, any given state or city, and then you might stay there for, for life or maybe move like one state over. I feel like in the States, people are so much more mobile. And so you might not know um, your partners as well. You know, I mean, in Mexico, it's probably somebody you, you grew up with a lot of the time. Um, and so that song, American Love, was really about exploring, like, how how is romance relationships, how are those different in the States versus, versus Mexico? Um, and it's tricky to navigate in both places. I mean, it's never, it's never easy. Um, but um, there's something to be said for either side. I find it a little bit harder to operate in the way that, that the States does because I've moved around a lot, you know. I've lived in New York, Connecticut, Colorado for a little bit, and that can be a little disorienting. Yeah, um, interesting to have like a, that's not something that I necessarily would have thought of as something that's different from culture to culture in terms of like how those relationships work and then thereafter. Um, but that's really interesting, especially having firsthand experience of the two different sides of the culture. And so taking that perspective into music must be really cool. Um, do you, of the things that you have out, is there one that stands out as like if you, you if we're talking right now in terms of the one song sample of the existing catalog is there one that comes to mind for that yeah i mean i i can go back to through it all wrote that as is like wedding vows you know i'll be there through it all and it's really kind of a set of different situations through the distance and the change through the good times and the strange and and i really tried to kind of balance it out you know the whole idea was like take the good with the bad um and it's something that i've been trying to learn um i think it all kind of evens out in the end but if you're going through a low it feels like that's all you're going to experience um and if you're going through a high, you might forget that that a low might be, you know, kind of coming along, you know. Um, and so I think that was really important for me. I wrote it during the pandemic, which obviously was a big low for everybody, you know. And um, I think it was about keeping perspective. Um, you know, there's always uh, light versus darkness. Um, and, uh, you know, happiness, relation and despair. So I think that's something that I hope I am able to embody, but it's, you know, we're all kind of working towards it. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, no, 100%. And I like the kind of message in that, like, and especially in the, during the pandemic, like that's prime time for that song to be a thing. Like that was the perfect time to write that. Couldn't have been more true. Um, but that's, yeah, I, yeah, that's really cool. Um, if you had to pick two or three artists that you think your music is like a combination of, who would they be? Hmm. Um, I think I would pick somebody, you know, from the 60s, 70s, and then somebody who's maybe a little bit more contemporary. Um, I think I think of the three that I listed from the 70s, Springsteen, Dylan, Leonard Cohen. My writing kind of leans more towards Leonard Cohen. It's really kind of sick succinct um because words take a long time for me uh you know dylan and, and springsteen could just 
just rattle them off. I'm, I, I really admire that. I would have no idea how to do that. Um, and then somebody more contemporary, maybe like a Phoebe Bridgers. Um, Josh Ritter has been a huge influence. Um, so something along those lines. Um, as far as, I know you touched on the like songwriting stuff from the older names, but of the more recent ones, what aspect makes you want to pull those names into conversation? I feel like you can tell they're still lyrically inclined. You know, some of Phoebe Bridger's lines are just like devastatingly good. Um, but they have surrounded themselves with really, you know, talented and cutting edge producers so that the records don't sound sound dated at all. You know, they sound like totally something you might have never heard before. Um, so that's why, you know, I always strive for that level. Um, and, you know, obviously you reach and, and never quite achieve, but, but that's, that's the goal always. Um, I want to go back to something I mentioned in the introduction, talking about your new album, which we touched on with the American Love being your song of choice. What was the experience like bringing in a Grammy winning producer to make this record happen? How did that happen in the first place? Like, what was that whole process like, especially bringing in somebody else to do that aspect of the album? Yeah, I mean, that was amazing. Um, Paul Falcone is is the producer you're, you're referencing. Um, I was really lucky, you know, we, we were in the same circles and he had heard some of my stuff and he'd actually wor worked with a, a pretty important influence that I forgot to mention, which is Tom O'Dell, who's sort of like a modern day piano man, if you know him. And through it all, especially was was like just a piano ballad. And so it was it was a really nice fit, but I won't lie, it was it was really scary, especially because I wasn't an artist. You know, this was my first album, and I would have never expected for a first album to work with somebody of that caliber. And so while we were in the studio, it was, you know, it was a little terrifying because I had to go in there and perform right away. It was my first song. Um, so so it was definitely pressure. Um but Paul was, you know, really supportive and, and he knew what he was doing. I might not have at that stage, but he knew. Um, so he was really kind of the guide and, and the mentor through that whole process. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was scary, but exciting at the same time. That's that's really cool. Um, and of course, like to start off on that foot, it's like crazy because like you said, you don't have any real foundation prior to that and it's just kind of like we're just i guess we're full sending it the first run of it here like that's yeah that's a lot but also really cool yeah i mean i think one thing that did prepare me was being in sessions as a writer producer with some really amazing artists so i wasn't you know i was definitely starstruck a little bit but i'd been in in similar situations before not as an artist um so you learn how to kind of compose yourself and turn those nerves into, you know, something that's a part of the record, you know, and, and those, those nerves, those butterflies, um, they are intrinsically kind of what makes the record emotive, you know, and I think if you're a little too confident it might almost be off-putting, you know, there's a vulnerability there um, that uh, I definitely feel like is, is in the records. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm proud and happy that that happened at the time. I was like, Oh, is this, is, is this going to come off as nervous, you know, but I think the songs are really sensitive. I'm a very sensitive type. Um, and so it it totally helped the identity of the songs. Yeah, I mean, it's all about how you handle whatever the situation is, whatever kind of feeling you're living in. So challenging that in 
channeling that, not challenging that, channeling that into that sort of vulnerability, especially for a singer songwriter project is huge. Like that definitely probably made a huge difference in the outcome and the final product. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was really, I guess, raw is the word, you know, and, uh, I, I have a studio, I run and operate a studio here, um, but we didn't track a lot of the album there or here. Um, it was actually a power station, which used to be a legendary studio and still is, but it's also where Berkeley's campus is in New York. Um, but in that studio, you only get, you know, a few takes, especially if you're doing a bunch of songs at once and we're doing, you know, we're trying to get five in there. Um in my studio, you know, I own it. I can do a million takes, um, but there's pros and cons because then, you know, you're redoing it a million times and that's currently happening to me. I got, I have six songs out. The album's going to be eight um, and I have seven done. So I'm just missing one song and I've just been definitely not procrastinating, but, you know, just trying almost overworking it. Um, because you do have that luxury of having as many takes as you want. You can take all the time in the world, but it's kind of the easiest way to get in your head. That's a, yeah, that's a really interesting point because if you're, you know, if you, if you're limited to a certain finite amount, you have to show up and get it in. But it's like, if you have your own space to just kind of mess around with it as much as you please, you might. I catch myself doing that plenty of times. It's like, I'll do like six takes for something one day. Then I'm like, no, there's like something that I could have done better and it'll just, just keep going. And, and then it's just this endless process. But if you kind of are on this like time crunch or this limited amount of runs you can do, you just kind of have to show up and do it. And that you just have to deliver. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like what they say. I mean, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but if you want an artist to do his or her best work, just give him a deadline, you know? And uh, it's really hard to impose deadlines on yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and especially, I feel like with the vocals, you really want to get those right. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar with the process of comping. You've probably done that yourself. If If you cut your own vocals but you can piece together different takes um, and end up kind of Frankensteining a final take. And it's so easy to get lost in that process, you know, and somebody like Billie Eilish, I, I think I heard this in an interview. Um, she does like 80 takes, you know, and then pieces together one word and, and with, with like take one and then take 79 and just even sorting through that, you can just lose your mind. Um, so comping is is a little bit of a blessing and a curse. You can end up with a really polished product, but you can also just end up, you know, spending months on it. So sometimes I like delegating that because I I just totally overthink it, and somebody can just be objective, and and not realize that okay. And when you said that word you might not have put as much emotion into it or the tone wasn't quite right. Um, but, but it ends up sounding great in the end, you know, um, because sometimes your perception of a take or, um, or a delivery, right? Like the kind of delivery you put on it is it, it's actually just not reflective of how good something is. And, and that's why it's great to have multiple ears on a project um sometimes you don't have that luxury as an independent artist but um if you if you find people who are excited about your work um then you are able to kind of um just have a, have, have a bit of a team take a listen and even though you might be really neurotic about some things if you kind of find people with a little bit more of like a level-headed approach then they can kind of help you get to the finish line yeah, sometimes it takes a village for sure. Um, 
What is an outside passion of yours that you feel impacts who you are as an artist? I would like to say like another art, but honestly, I'm, I think any talent that I do have just went into music. I'm, I'm a terrible visual artist. Um, but I actually, I love running, which is really hard during the winter. And a lot of my kind of like sparks of imp- inspiration kind of come during a run. Um, and I, so that's why I use my phone. Cause you gotta, you gotta write it as you're on a run and it's really, it really kind of calms you. And I, I can't operate the way of, you know, you're in the studio almost every day, like a nine to five it doesn't really work that way for me. Um, a lot of the songs come unexpectedly, almost out of nowhere. And when you're running, your body and mind are are kind of become one. You're more relaxed. Um, and for somebody who's a little bit more like maybe neurotic or on edge all the time, that's one of those times where I'm able to settle down um, and you, you're not putting pressure on the writing. It just kind of comes to you you're not sitting at a at a desk trying to get that, that line. Um, you kind of just let it be a little bit more of a natural process. So so yeah, not the arts, but actually, you know, sports. I used to play soccer, but it's 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 kind of difficult to find a league in the city. So I just stick to running. Um, and and yeah, that's really shaped my music weirdly. Uh, oddly enough, you're not the first person who said running, um, but uh, I get that. I get that you just kind of there's as much as people hate running a lot of the time. I feel like that's like one of the forms of exercise that gets the most like trash talk to it. Um, it can also be a really like cool experience to just kind of. Cause you like, what do you have to do with your, with your, what does your mind have to do, but wander and think about new ideas and things like that. So you can get really cool things out of that. Um, so it does have its benefit as much as people like to complain about doing it. Yeah. I mean, you have to be really disciplined with running. Like there's no way around it. The first few weeks, maybe in months, you're going to hate it. You know, it's, it's not inherently fun, but the reward is, is how it makes you feel and for me especially in the city which which is so gray if you can find a little patch of nature i'm not that close to to central park but i do run by the river you know that's that's also a key component so finding a little bit of nature um in this grid really helps you know so maybe it's the running maybe it's nature maybe it's both um but once you get over that hump of oh, this is torture and this does not feel good, but you stick with it, it's a little bit addictive because there is all this, you know, this kind of endorphin rush that really that's like you start to crave it. Um, but yeah, running running doesn't have the best rep, um, especially because sports themselves are, are just more fun and you might have a team and it's social. Running is lonesome, but um, you also get to listen to music while you do it. At least I do. So I actually don't listen to that much music anymore because I spend so much of my time creating music. So that's one of the few times where I'm actually just listening to other people, which is which is nice and not super stressful because it's not my job. Um, <laughs> it's their job. I just get to be a fan. True. Um, no, I, I think like running is is kind of like, a metaphor for like any sort of like project that you kind of take on because it's like at least for me as soon as you reach this point of like when you're getting to that point where you're like okay like this is not as fun on my body right now if you can just like push past that little like you get to that like reaching point if you can keep going past that it's almost like things just like get so much easier and it comes more like you, you could just like I feel like if I get past that little bump I could double my distance and make it as far as I pleased at that point, because it's, it becomes a mental thing at that point. Um, and it's just like anything else where it's like, if you're willing to put in just a little bit more effort to get over that hurdle, the other side is so much nicer. It's like the, I've seen this like picture before 
and it was like it's just like this like cartoon kind of thing and it's like this guy digging like a tunnel and it's like whatever like the like gold or whatever he's looking for is like right on the other side but there's this like really thin wall of like the dirt or whatever left between him and what he's going for but he's like giving up because it's like he doesn't know how far he has to go still he just sees the wall that he has to keep on pushing through but it's really right there on the other side it's like you don't know how close you are to something until you like get there and so it's easy to call it quits because it's not in the near horizon but if you just keep going a little bit farther it's right there right and you might think like oh man these two are really going off topic now it's like a fitness podcast but but actually like <laughs> really totally relates because it's it's totally metaphor for songwriting you know like when you're starting it might be really painful like you know the the blank page is really scary the first few lines might just you know you, you they really might not be anything special um but you kind of have to push past that and be really, really disciplined about that. Um, and that's where you end up getting what is special. Um, it, it might take a few tries. Um, it might take a long time, you know, like for me in a day, I might get a couple lines, you know, but, but once you do get that, you know, past that hurdle, like you were saying, you know, the other side is super rewarding. Um, but but you have to be willing to go through that and i think all great art and and really life is is kind of about overcoming obstacles um which can be torture or you know i think it is like if you kind of have the long view it's it's kind of beautiful you know you don't nothing real is is all that easy you know it takes work relationships art fitness whatever whatever it is um it, yeah, it takes it takes a lot of work often. I will I will wrap up our little metaphor uh, segment with this and just say anything worth doing won't come overnight. Point blank period. That's that's all there is to it. Um, the next question comes from last week's artist. I started doing once I hit sixty episodes. I started doing this thing where I have last week's artist essentially write a question for next week's artist. So last week's mm -hmm. artist's question was, if you weren't writing music, what would you want to do? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, I kind of touched on this earlier. I think I'd love to be some kind of writer or, or author or poet, which is again a really impractical career but i think that's just what inspires me and if you can push through that right of boy this is so impractical what are people going to say where's the money going to come from it, you know it doesn't happen overnight most likely years but you you can get there um and congrats on 60 episodes by the way that's amazing <laughs> Thank you. Been sticking with it for a good 16 months or so now. It's crazy to think that it's been that long, but happy to still be doing it. And I don't plan on giving it up anytime soon. So, um, yeah. And then what would your question be for the next artist? Yeah. I mean, th this can be maybe a little bit generic, but I think everybody has a really different answer and the answer can be really interesting. Maybe the question isn't so much, but I think if, if you've been doing it for a little while, it's kind of logical to ask, you know, what have been some of your takeaways of successes and failures, right? And, and what would you impart to somebody just starting out? Um, because I wish I'd gotten all kinds of advice along the way. Um, but, but I won't answer the question myself i'll just leave it for the for the next guy or girl <laughs> up to that i like that i think that um i think that that's a good um question to ask because it's like you like essentially what have you learned from doing whatever it is that 
you're doing. And you're right. It's like, even though we're all sort of living the same thing in terms of, you know, writing the music, releasing the music, doing all the things and being the artist, everybody's experience is different. Everybody starts from a different square one. You know, everybody writes songs differently. Clearly, like we were talking about, like, you're the first person who's come on here and been like, I write the entire song and then the music comes in. Um, you know, it's, it's always interesting to see what different people's experiences are and, you know, your experience could be very similar to somebody else's, but that could take form in a very different way and prove to be an impact in a different way. Like I could take away a different sort of like life lesson from the same experience that somebody else has, but it's all dependent on where things kind of started, how they've transformed and that sort of journey along the way. Yeah. I mean, you definitely are, are right on the money. Like I'm a bit of a rare breed. I, I, I've never met anybody who has a lyrics, like a purely lyrics first process. I know they're out there. Um, I suspect some of the artists that I mentioned do it that way. Um, and so maybe my advice is super niche. Um, but maybe there's somebody out there who who does work that way. And so my tips actually were helpful. I hope they were. Um, because again, I, th I think if you get the right advice, especially when you're sort of just starting out and in, in, in pre-industry, you know, and you haven't broken into to kind of this really clicky world um having somebody guide you through the process of what, what seems like almost impossible at the time um can can really make the the whole experience a little bit less daunting um and uh, you know i mean it is it is a career with with no one direction no one path like everybody's road is long and winding and looks really different um but there are some commonalities, you know, and, and uh, takeaways from everybody's journey. So a lot of what I used to do when I was just starting out was read biographies, especially autobiographies of some of my idols. You know, Springsteen's is tremendous. I mean, Born to Run, you know, obviously is hit song, and but but the title of the autobiography is is unbelievable. And, and maybe it's because I'm a super fan, but I don't think so. I think anybody even the casual fan or or non-musician might really enjoy it um i mean he just tells you exactly how he came up and obviously the industry has changed so much um but if that's not an inspiring journey i don't know what is um so you know i've also read dylan's and uh leonard cohen which leonard cohen's which was a biography i wish he'd, he'd done an autobiography um but but that's that's maybe the best piece of advice I can give. So if my journey was was too niche for you, kind of see if your influences have done, you know, have written about themselves or done podcasts like this. Because I feel like artists and all, all kinds of creatives are, are really transparent. You know, some of the, the business people can be a little bit more, you know, can kind of keep their secrets close to the vest. But but creatives are really open. And they'll tell you exactly what they did and how they did it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's because there, because even if it's like, no matter what it is, it's not one solid formula of how things are. It's like, it's, it's, you just, and you could try a hundred different ways to do whatever it is and, you know, try out what a hundred different creatives did to do whatever they went on to do. Maybe a few of those things might work for you. Most probably won't because we're all wired differently and how that all comes about is all very different. But um, it's it always like, especially just taking a different perspective on something like that always kind of makes you think like about a new way to do something. You know, it's a kind of a, well, maybe I should try that. Maybe that'll work for me. Like, who knows? Yeah, and I feel like, early on just knowing that other people were crazy enough to go into music like me was really reassuring because it can be like so lonesome um and so so it just makes it way less scary to know that there are other 
other folks who are, you know, going for it um, because you might not even know anybody in your immediate circles at first who's doing it. Um, unless maybe you went to school for it. Um, so at least hearing from from people who've done it, you know, that you might not even know, but but might be influential to you in your own career and, and craft is is really reassuring. You know, you're not the only one who decided to do this. We're not the only ones crazy enough. Exactly. <laughs> uh, what is it that you think sets you apart from other independent artists? Um, it's a good question. I think knowing how to produce has been kind of huge because if you're not able to produce yourself um it might be hard to find somebody who will produce you consistently especially for free um so it's really hard to be consistent when it comes to putting out music so you might not have as much control over your timeline and obviously these days being consistent is is key um and so that that might be one thing that sets me apart there's definitely other independent artists who can self-produce um but less so in in, in kind of more singer songwriter indie context because traditionally it's it's all about the song and maybe one or two instruments um you know and the production comes from somebody else usually um so so i think that's been key for my own development yeah i think i mean that is definitely a nice skill set to have because you can already start to execute some even if you work with somebody to like finalize those ideas like to have that foundation to kind of really you know bring what you hear in your head into whatever you're working with um, and actually have those sorts of ideas to execute and, you know, um, send off the idea somewhat polished rather than just like a piano and a vocal and then just have to try and articulate ideas because oftentimes when you try and articulate what you're trying to hear in the song or what you want a person to do, when it comes to music, it's kind of hard to put words to that in a way that are going to translate directly into what you have in your head. And sometimes it can be a happy accident and you could get something better than what you originally had in mind. But other times it's like, no, but I wanted it to be kind of like this. And it's like, well, you didn't really say that, or that didn't really make sense in that way. And so it just also kind of can speed up the process as well, which is very nice. Totally. And to have an, a double answer for this question. So Producing was really helpful as an independent artist, but also learning how to market yourself, which is not necessarily the most fun part of this whole um, side of the business, but is super important. I mean, to be honest, you know, I, I haven't really made any effort to approach labels. Um, I have been able to kind of have enough of a of an audience over over time that I I don't really feel inclined to to work with labels to the extent that they'll take you know percentage of the songs um if I'm able to find an audience on my own and you know there's there's something to be said for working with labels um sometimes they have the potential to really grow a project exponentially um but I haven't found the need um and I have worked with a lot of artists who are signed as a writer producer. Um, and it's not, it's not the answer. You know, I think a lot of people are really drawn to the idea of a, of a record deal and it's, you know, kind of prestigious. Um, and especially it used to be a lot more. Um, but these days you really can do it all. It's exhausting, um, but it does get easier over time. Uh, it's just like any other set of skills. Um, so learning how to do that and not just getting, you know, followers or, or kind of empty numbers, but like real listeners and a real audience um, really kind of 
can be a substitute for having, you know, a remote team who may not know you or your music that deeply because um, nobody's going to be more invested in your own music than yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're like a lot of things. There are pluses and minuses to whatever route you choose to take. You know, if you do everything yourself, then you have to do everything yourself. But if you do everything yourself, you also have all the creative control and can really embody who you are in all aspects of what you do. Um, and so, yeah, there are definitely bonuses, but there are also downsides because it's like, it's just a, which are you going to give up? Like, are you willing to give up like some money and make it less of your problem? Or are you going to put more of your time into it and really like claim it as your own? And that can be said for any of these things, but um, yeah, have it's, it's, it's it's where things are at. We have the options now. It's not just label or nothing, which is fantastic. Um, it comes with some downsides, but it's more empowering than things have ever been, which is really cool to see. Um, what impact do you ultimately want to have with your music and with your artistry? Excuse me. Um, I feel like. I mean, I keep coming back to the lyrics, you know, if those stick with people and, you know, sometimes people reach out and, and, and sort of will, will tell me personal stories of how much this means to them. I think then it'll all have been worth it. You know, that's, that's what we're in this for. I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's always really cool to see your work impact other people the way that those who inspire you have impacted you you know i think there's a lot to be said about what we pour into these songs and how much that can connect with somebody else because you've like you've witnessed it firsthand with whatever music got you here in the first place like it's really cool to see how that all you know brings itself to life and just you see that something you created has had such an impression on someone else. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's hard to see that because so much of your audience can be virtual, you know? And so I actually don't perform that much in the city. So it's a little faceless sometimes, but it is nice to hear from people, you know, when they do write, um, because it's so easy to forget that these are real people. They're not just numbers. Um, you are reaching kind of hearts and minds. And uh, at the end of the day, it is a service, you know, to be an artist. Um, and there's only so much you, of course, it's a very fulfilling process in and of itself. But it does stop being about yourself at some point. Um, and especially hearing the stories from people, it, it just reminds you of that constantly. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think that brings us to the final question, which is, why music? Oh, that's so sad that this is the final question. <laughs> um, why music? I, I mean, I think it's just one of those inexplicable things, you know, we're just kind of, I forget who said this, but we're just playing with, with air. That's kind of what sound waves are, you know, it's just kind of changes in pressure in, in air. And that's what we're, I don't want to say selling, but, but that's our, our product, you know, and it's, it's kind of wild to think about it that way. But I think ever since I was a kid, that was what I was drawn to. And this is a silly example, but sometimes when I play fetch with my dog, you know, she's a lab, she, you just see it in her eyes. Like that's her purpose, you know, and, and they're kind of bred for it. But I think everybody has that thing. It gets harder to pursue it as we get older, but I think you always know 
maybe in her heart of hearts, like what that thing is for you. Um, and if you're lucky to be able to, you know, carry it out over time, it's, um, it's super rewarding and fulfilling. Um, so that's why music for me, it just was one of those things that was a little inexplicable, but very clearly was, you know, call it a passion, you know, that's what it really is. Um, and why music as opposed to other things or other arts, I, I definitely didn't have the talent, but I also just wasn't drawn to it. You know, it is like this magnetic pull that I think all of us feel at some point. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I am very much an advocate for following that thing that is your purpose, that is your passion, that is the thing to do. Um, and I think you're right. I think everybody has that. And for it to be, for us to both have the opportunity for it to be music, I think not to be biased, but I think we're the lucky ones here, like to be able to create something so cool and incomparable to anything else is just, and it's something that like, it's, it's worldwide. It is communal. Like everybody listens to music. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a really cool thing to get to be a part of in whatever way you get to be a part of it. Um, and yeah, if, yeah, it's just, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. And also it doesn't even always have to be a career, right? I mean, just doing it for fun on the side as a passion, what have you. I mean, it's, that alone is is really the point right and turning it into a career is is not for everybody first of all but it it can be a blessing and a curse you know anything when it becomes a job has all kinds of complicated aspects to it and uh you know sometimes it's easy to lose sight of the core which is just the the process and and just really having fun with it um so any anybody who just is drawn to it doesn't have to do it professionally um and it can be just as invigorating and at 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 the same level maybe as as professionals um but doesn't have to be your professional um choice yeah at what in whatever way you pursue it to get to pursue it is yeah it can it can take many different forms, like you said. Like it can be the livelihood, or it can be just something you treat as a hobby, and both are just as well. You know that whatever role it plays, let it play the role. Yeah, totally. Um, it's um, uh, it's really just that's the point, right? Mm -hmm. And we forget that that's really all that it's about doesn't yeah. have to be tied to money. No, it can be, but it gets a little dangerous there sometimes. It's dicey. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of this episode of the Why Music Podcast. Check back again next week for another conversation with another independent artist. Thanks for listening.